Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're so excited. Uh, I'm, I'm excited today. I'm always excited. One of my favorite things to do is to speak with Heidi. And so today, is that okay, y'all? We're going to just do it together. And uh, so give it up for my girl, 34 years, baby. <laughs> Ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Uh, today, we had a great time at the 830 service and uh, kind of just wanted to invite y'all into our living room, if that would be okay. It was as if we were having a conversation with just you and uh, let me just, by way of hands, how many of you are married? You're, you're, you're married today. Let me see your hands. Wave them. Okay. All right. Put your hands down because we're going to really be talking to you, but we're also going to be talking. How many are single in the room? You're single right now. Wave your hand. Just keep it up high for a second because he could be here today. <laughs> Give him a chance to scope the room. Just hold it up for a second. How many of y'all hate when he does that? Okay, no, there's a few of you be here honest. like, that's me right here. Uh, uh, no, we're gonna, we want to help you too, because I know you want to be married, and so maybe today you lean in too, because it's not about finding the right, right person, it's about becoming the right person. So don't, you're not looking for a person, you want to become the person, and when you become the person, then God supernaturally brings that other person into your life. And so, and, and the more you become, right, the more you become, if you're single, the more you become it'll start helping you discern between pretenders and contenders because they won't be on the same track you're on and you'll be able to recognize that as well. So uh, we are going to be practical today, and, but I also want to talk to you about why this is so important. God chose, uh, I, but supernaturally, I don't know if y'all have heard this, but please go home, Google it. Uh, you, can, you can do this. There, there's, it's been publicized. There's, we're starting to see things happening in the body of Christ that are starting to, really, revival is starting. Revival is not something you can plan. It's God just shows up supernaturally. And if you'll just type uh, uh, Revival Kentucky and at, at Asbury University, now it's breaking out in other universities. God's doing something really, really supernatural right now. I want you to be prepared. We're asking, okay, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it. I woke up in the middle of the night last night. I had a dream, and I was praying for somebody, and maybe this is for you. I don't know who I was praying for. I couldn't see in the dream, but I was saying these words over them. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. Well, that's not normal language that we would use. But that scripture, that passage of scripture is actually found in Psalms 24, where he's, David wrote, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. And what they were talking about in the Old Testament was they were bringing in the Ark of the Covenant and they were talking about the temple. Open up the ancient doors so that the presence of God can come in. 
the New Testament, we, the God is no longer housed in temples. In fact, he says, we believers are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now the word is not, oh, now it's open up our hearts so we can hear that the spirit of the Lord can come in. And so today we're going to ask you to open up the heart of your home, husband and wife. So let the Holy Spirit come in because he wants to show you something and speak something to you. We're in an all-out war in, in, the, in our culture and it's seeping into the very homes in which we live. We need a move of God in our own hearts and in our own marriage. Can I get an amen? Now get a better amen than that. We need a, we need a revival, an awakening in our own hearts. So... I want you to really lean in, and I'm going to take you to Ephesians 5. I'll just tell you what it says. In Ephesians 5, we, we like that, we use that passage during weddings. Uh, it's, you know, where it says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. That's the man's favorite verse. Yeah, but just a verse before it says you ought to submit to one another out of love for Christ. And then there are times I need to submit to her because she's right. You know, I'm wrong sometimes. I know that's hard to believe. And so we, we need to submit to one another. Then it says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, willing to sacrifice, lay down his life for her, which meant he's thinking of her before himself, which is not normal for us men. And he says, lay your life. And then he goes down to the end and says, I'm speaking of this mystery, but I'm speaking of Jesus and the church. What is he saying to us? This relationship has to be right if we can't get this one right, this speaks to the world of who Jesus is and who the church is. A beautiful marriage shows the world who Jesus really is in the church. You go to invite, open up those doors to your marriage, let Jesus come in, then go to the Mardi Gras family celebration and they see you treating her like Christ would treat the church and her submitting and respecting her husband like the church should respect Jesus. Trust me, you won't have to invite them to church. They'll start coming to church because they'll see something different in us. Can I get an amen? So this, this was probably about year seven where Heidi and I really had a breakthrough in our relationship and marriage. Like we were not tracking together. And, and finally, we, we, we got a hold of some materials and some stuff that really helped us. And, and over the years, we formulated uh, some of the things we're going to share with you today. But I want you to really lean in. We're going to just pretend you're in our living room and we're just sitting one-on-one, just as a married couple talking to another married couple. And I hope y'all will receive that today. Y'all turn me off. Okay. 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 Heidi's turn. Okay. Good. Um, no, before we get into this and the song, the worship song that we played today that, that RJ sang, the God turn around, would you come and would you turn things around? And there might be some couples that are sitting in here today to go, that are going, God, I don't know if you could turn this marriage around. I think we're too far gone or I think we've made too many mistakes or I think we've done too many things wrong. God, I don't know if you could turn this around. And we are a living testament. Not only has God, again, it, those two young babies in that picture y'all just saw, nobody's coming to us then going, would y'all help us with our marriage? Nobody. Year two and three, nobody's coming, asking. 
because we're still trying to figure it out. Year four and five, nope, nobody's still coming because we're still trying to work it out. And God can come and he can turn things around, even a marriage that you don't know is going to make it or not. And so today, our hope is, is that y'all, do you walk out of here more hopeful than when you walked in? And before we go into the practicals, and today is so practical, but you cannot look at a great marriage, and I'm not saying, I hope you can look at us and go, we see God in them, but we're not perfect. And we've made some stupid mistakes, and we'll tell you about those in a minute. We'll save that. We're serious now. We'll save the stupid stuff in a minute. But you cannot look at anybody that has a great marriage and not recognize and understand that it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of work from both people to make a great marriage. Great marriages don't just happen. You just don't wake up one day and get married and dance to the song and and leave the reception and have this great marriage. It takes a lot of work. And the greater the marriage is, the harder the work that it took to put it in, that went into it. And today, we're going to give you some practical things. But if both the husband and the wife don't recognize their undying need for Jesus to come and be the center of that marriage, all today is is just going to be some good information that you're going to try to put into practice. But if you're not inviting Jesus in the middle of it, and if the husband isn't running hard after God, and if the wife isn't running hard after God, then you're just going to have some good information and and some good resources. And it may last you a few weeks, but it's not going to be long standing because Jesus has got to be the middle of everything we do between the husband and the wife. There is a place in my heart that only God can feel that it's not right for me to put on Eugene what my need for a God is. Eugene's not a God to me and I'm not a God to him. We have to love Jesus first and foremost and then we start working on one another. Yes. And yes. so th- we, we, we've got to say that because again, if not, this is just good information. So today we're going to get into some resources today, some things that you can put into practice. We're going to title this message, Is Your Marriage Overdrawn? Is Your Marriage Overdrawn? And there's just a great analogy is the, the banking system of deposits and withdrawals. We're going we're to use that terminology when we talk about marriage today. Every one of us can understand that. When you have a full bank account, everybody's very happy. And as you make withdrawals, as long as you make withdrawals and there's deposits that are being, there's more deposits being made than withdrawals, everybody's happy. Okay, when the withdrawals start happening and they don't, they don't measure up to the deposits, and again, technology nowadays, I don't know how many of you still write checks, I still write checks. Okay, you have more withdrawals and you have deposits, your checks are bouncing from here to kingdom come. That's not a happy home. It's when you have the deposits and you have more than what you need and you're able to take those withdrawals because we live in a fallen world. And we still live in a sinful world and we're sinful people and we're imperfect people and we're going to have to make withdrawals from a relationship. I'm going to mess up one day and I'm going to have to go. A few days ago, I came and apologized to Eugene because I had a really bad attitude. I I know y'all may not see that on Sundays, but I I had a really bad attitude. And I, easy, 
Easy. And I went and I apologized. And I said, Eugene, I need you to please forgive me because I just had a really bad attitude. Okay. That was a withdrawal because my attitude was bad. So I'm going to make sure that I'm making more deposits than I am withdrawals and, and vice versa. So that's what today is about. Today's going to help you going, number one, is your marriage overdrawn? Are you living in the red and not the black in your marriage? And if so, and even if you're still in the black, these are some resources that you make deposits into your marriage to make sure, again, that deposit is always more than the withdrawals. Does that make sense? Uh, we're going to go through some, uh, we're going to go, let me, let me hit Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It's a familiar verse that y'all know, but this is what the NLT says. It says, you will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Whatever you plant, you're going to harvest. And that goes, it goes into every area of our life, but it also goes into our marriages. Whatever we plant into our marriages, that's what we're going to reap. That's what we're going to grow. That's the fruit that's going to come out of it. And today, prayerfully today, there are going to be some good seeds that you're going to be able to sow into your marriage. There's five top emotional needs that men and women have. These are very general. They can be interchangeable. There may be some needs that we say that it's predominantly for women, but it, a, a man may have that same need and that's fine and vice versa. And so we're going to go through these top five emotional needs, again, making deposits into one another uh, in, in, into our marriage. So uh, number one is this, and I'm going to speak on behalf of the women. Is that fine? Women, hello, is that fine? Can I speak on your behalf today? Okay, very good. Because I am one of you and I know you. And so I'm going to speak on your behalf. Eugene's going to speak on the men's behalf. I got you, brothers. Yeah. I got you. And, and then we've got a little assignment for y'all to do uh, this week after you leave here. So number one is this. One of the top five emotional needs for women is affection. Is affection. That women are created with a need of affection. Affection that doesn't necessarily lead somewhere else. If it does, great, but not with that intent. Just affection, just to hold her hand or to rub her back or to grab her arm, just letting her know that you're there. Women, that affection, that's, that's nonverbal to where you don't even have to say anything. By simply showing affection to your wife, you're showing her that you love her, that you care about her, that you believe in her, that you're there for her. And it's very, very important for women to know that their husband can show affection in a way that supports and loves her and lets her know that you're there by her side. Good. Is that yes, true, women? ladies? Is that true? Yes. Non-sexual affection. Yeah. And then, well, I got your back, man. Y'all ready for this? Let me tell you an emotional need that he has is uh, physical intimacy. That is a need that is in his heart that can only be filled, and it's only appropriately filled by his wife. And just as women feel close to their husbands, whether it be an intimate conversation, which we'll talk about, or the affection... It's the way girls that men feel close to their wives is, you know, that, that's when we feel close to y'all. And it, so it, 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 it's, it, we feel loved that way. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's important. It is an emotional need that we have. And so I want you to see, and I, I saw, I mean, again, I, I, I did the research. I Googled it. I, I was like, I want to see how Heidi and I are doing. Are we doing good? No, I'm teasing. 
Please tell them that. Please tell them you're joking. Okay, I'm just, just joking. But it is an indication, because usually when we sit across someone, if you were in our living room and we were doing some marriage stuff with you, we would ask you this question. We'd say, uh, just give us in a week's time, how often are y'all being together in an intimate way? How, how often is that? Not because we're nosy, because we we're, we're trying, but it's, it's like a doctor taking your, your, your pulse or your uh, blood pressure. It is an indicator of how things are going. Are they going well or not? Because a lot has to line up, guys, you know this, right, for, for her to, be, to warm up to your advances. I mean, the blood moon, meteors, <laughs> rainbows, kids have all got to quit acting like the devil, all at the same time. You know, so we're going to help you with that, too, because a lot of the things that we're talking about, it's, it is the deposits withdrawals. If you're making the deposits in these other areas, then you're going to see it pay off later. And even before we go on to the next one, these are emotional needs. These are, this is how God created us. This isn't right or wrong. Or, this is how God created. God created women with particular needs. God created men with specific needs. It's not that that's wrong to have those needs. That's how God created us. What happens is it becomes wrong when we go outside of marriage to get those needs felt, to get those needs met because they're legitimate needs. And God designed it that a husband and wife meet the needs of one another. It's inappropriate for someone else other than my husband to meet the needs that are in my life. And it's inappropriate for anybody else to meet the needs that he has in his life. And, and you, you don't have to look very far or go very far to see how when things start to veer off and to get off track, it's because there were some needs in each one of the husband and the wife that weren't being met and they were finding those needs being met outside of the marriage. Now, concerning this, before we go into number two, concerning this need here, I mean, the, 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 the intimacy, I know women and women, you can sit there and go, well, that's all fine and good if he would do A, B, C, and D then I would be a little bit more responsive. This is how we have to look at it. And I'm saying this to the women and to the men. You can't walk out of here and go, he doesn't do this, 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 or this. And the husband can't walk out of here and go, she doesn't do this, this, and this. Because if y'all have that mindset, you're never going to grow beyond where you're at right now. We have to walk out of here going, God gave me to Eugene to meet the needs that are in his life. Eugene, God gave him to me to do the same. And how can I meet the needs in his life? And if he walks out going, how can I meet the needs in her life? That's when growth begins to happen and things start moving forward. But if we're in this stagnant position of it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me and what I'm getting and what I'm not getting. And if he has that same mindset, then this marriage is going nowhere. You're stuck, you're stagnant, and it's never going to make any forward growing advances as long as we're putting ourselves above our spouse and they're doing the same thing. Does that make sense? 
that we've got to change the mindset of we've got to think of them and they are thinking of us and going, God, I'm, I want to be the, I want to be the blessing to my husband that you created me to be. He feels the same way. That's when God comes and blesses and pours out and begins to pour grace and forgiveness and things begin going in the right direction. Well, I would say it like this way to men, just be, just because your wife isn't doing what she's supposed to do does not give you the right man not to do what you're supposed to do. And vice versa. Well, I know, yeah. but I'm talking to the men here. Because the men really need to step up. You'll freak your wife out. You want to freak her out? Take her to dinner this weekend and go, baby, how are we doing? I want to talk about our relationship. But you are to be the initiator. She's to be the responder. It's how God made us. Men initiate, women respond. It's the way God made us. Take physical intimacy as an example of that. Bear, come on, man. You know, how many times have you gone home and your wife's wrapped up in saran wrap waiting uh, uh, for you? Okay, Eugene. Okay. No. Just all the no's. I knew the men would like that. Just, that no. was for you, man. No, stop. I got you. Okay. We have derailed number two. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. I don't okay, care who you are. No. Number two. Emotional need of women, intimate conversation. A good intimate conversation. Just sitting and having a good conversation. How are you doing? Let me tell you how I'm doing. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. Vice versa. How, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Just a good conversation. God made women. We need conversation. Women need to talk. And again, this is general. There's going to be some exceptions. But in general, women are talkers. And we're going to talk, 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 and talk, talk, talk. And so, but, so our, our tendency, though, is to say way too much. We can go, there's, neither extreme is good. Saying nothing, it, that's not good. And saying everything under the sun is not good. And so there's got to be a balance there. And of all the women that I've spoken to over all these years, I often say this to them when it comes to a husband and wife and marriage issues that they're having. I will often say this. You've probably said everything you have need to say for the rest of your life. You've probably already said all that. Just start living out before him the words that you've already said. Because sometimes we can say too much and when we just keep talking and talking, we become the white noise in the background and that then, then you, just, you just turn it off. But it is a need of women to have intimate conversation. We have to know what to say and then when not to say it. We also need to know the timing. Our timing can be the world's worst. And as a young wife, when I was young and, and truly didn't know any better, I would want to have these deep conversations at the worst time in the world. The kids were crying. Everything was, the phone was ringing. Stuff's boiling off the stove. I mean, it was just the worst time ever. And that's when I decided I wanted to have a good conversation. And then I would be upset if he didn't respond the right way. Well, it was just the wrong time. And so we have to have the wisdom of going, when is the right time? And even sharing that, going, Eugene, you know what? There's something on, there's some things on my heart. I really want to talk and sit down and talk about it. When's a good time that we could do it? Or let's try to carve off some time that we can have. Then he knows that that's a need that I have. And then we're going to make time to do it. We have to have the wisdom as women to know when's the right time to do it. And then when that opportunity is, and we're able to share our hearts. And we feel close to you that way by having those conversations. I know, and we started doing something. We started going date nights every week, 
We started doing date nights every week where Heidi knew at date night was her night. She could talk about whatever she wanted to. And, and I put, we put the phones away and we just went, I'm all yours, baby. And she said, oh, okay, I want to talk about the children. Let's talk about Hillary. Okay, now Hannah. And, and she'd just go and I'd go, awesome. That's great. Mm, mm. What do you think we need to do about this? Oh, let me think about that. Just let her go. She just needed the time to visit and to talk, to connect, emote. And, and whether it's a date night or coffee in the morning, just 15 minutes together, little by little, all along the week, just that time for intimate conversation where she can talk about whatever she wants to talk about. Men, you got to get disciplined and quit trying to fix everything because she don't want you to fix it. She just wants you to listen. Just say cool things like, really? Wow. How did that make you feel? If you say that, she'll tell you. And we're like, well, I felt this way. And you go, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. Oh, wow. Anything you need me to do? No, no, I just need to tell you. Okay, great. Love you. Bye. And if you know, you have, if you know the time is coming, then, it, then I recognize if we knew we were having a date night and we knew I was going to have that time, then I would hold it. I just wouldn't be talking about everything all day long. I would hold it knowing that we had that time coming up at that week. So anyway, all that to say, intimate conversation is very important yep. to a woman. Let me give you number two for the man. For men, and not every man, but um, for many men, it's just recreational companionship, that you want to, to go with them to have fun. Not everything, I'm sure he doesn't want you at the hunting camp dressed up in camouflage. He might. But to, to, to figure out something that y'all can do together that's actually fun. And by the way, you need to prepare for empty nesting. Your children are going to grow up. That is the goal, to get them out of the house. All the men are going, yeah. Women are going, not my baby. Yeah, you, you want that baby out. Grow up, get out, so that y'all have a relationship, something built on that. You do something that's fun. Early days, I so appreciate Heidi. She knew this was a need for me. She, just, she said, what if, I, what if you think about me playing golf? Because I play golf. And I said, that'd be great. So her and her girlfriends went and took lessons, and she thought, I'm going to get a new outfit, because she's all about the outfit. And then she started coming to play golf with me. Like, we, now I still went with the, with the boys, but ever so often, we would go on Fridays. That was like our golf day. And we had fun. I mean, it was fun. I, I, basically, her caddy is basically, I'm telling her. And so, can I tell the one story real quick? Okay. So, so we, we started to play golf. And, and she's cute. She's looking all cute. And so she, but she always goes, how far is it? Maybe it's 120 yards. What club do I need? Okay, you need the five iron or six iron, whatever. I'd be giving her clubs. So we come to a par three, and she goes, how far is it? And I said, well, it's 108. First of all, I don't talk that way, but It's exactly how you talk. How far is it? I've never talked that way. I said, it's 108 yards. And she goes, what club do I need? I said, you need the six iron. She goes, I don't want to use the six iron. I said, baby, it's a six iron. I want to use the five iron. I feel more comfortable with the five iron. I said, all right, it's a six iron, but if you want to use the five iron, you can. I want to use the five. Give me the five. So I hand her the five iron. I said, baby, you're going to hit it over the green. She hits the ball over the green. And she goes, well, shoot. I said, baby, look, this is for free. This is free. Let's pretend you didn't hit that. Get a new ball. Here, try the six iron. And she takes a six iron. She hits the ball, 
beautiful flight, lands on the green, rolls all the way up and in the hole, a hole in one. This woman right here, one hole in one. That is true. The moral of that story is. The moral of the story is get yourself a good caddy. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I had a hole in one. It is true. William doesn't give it to me, though, because he said it, was, it doesn't count because it was the second one, but whatever. But it's true, though. That was true. So, recreation and complaint. Good. Number, number three. Number three. A need for women is honesty and openness. Women want their husbands and need their husbands to be open and honest with them. Good marriages cannot be built on lies or deceit or suspicion or secrets or hidden, it, it, you cannot build on a foundation such as those things. It's not going to stand. There's going to be cracks all in it. It's not going to be a firm and a strong marriage. And women have an emotional need to know that their husbands are being open and honest with them in conversation in what's going on in their life, in what's God saying to them, even if they're struggling and going, I'm, I'm having a, you know, I'm having a hard day. I'm having a hard week. I'm trying. That's okay. At least you're saying something we know because it's when you're not saying something that makes gives room to the enemy in our heads to go, okay, what is he doing and what's wrong and did I do something and all the crazy things that can come in our head. And y'all have heard us say this before. With technology now, I mean, it's just, it's craziness, the, all the access to everything. But there's, there's nothing that I have that he doesn't have access to, and, and vice versa. Would that be a computer, passcodes on each other's phones? There's nothing that is on my phone that he can't pick up, do the passcode, and find on my phone that I'm going to have an issue with. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing hidden from him. There's nothing hidden uh, on his end for me, I have passcodes. I can pick phones up at any time. See, that's how you build trust with one another. And there, there's, and there's many people in this room. We know that, that, that trust has been broken and, and that takes time to build back. And there's, and that's another message for another day, but there's a deep emotional need in women to know that their husbands are going to be open and honest with them. And, it's very, very important. Yeah, one of the things most men are scared of, baby, and, and is is to share their struggles. And you call it pride, girls, whatever. We are. We, we, we are. We wrestle with pride. Every one of us. We wrestle with pride. Girls, just shake your head. You, you, go, you know that. We wrestle with pride. So to, to even to go, and, and I was at times going, I ain't letting nobody know what's going on in my heart. Until one day I just went, baby, here's where I'm struggling. And something supernatural happened. I thought she was going to think, oh, my gosh, you need to get help. That's not what happened. What happened was she drew closer and said, okay, here's what we can do. And I, I'm with you. And it caused us actually to be more intimate with one another because I was willing to open up and have honest conversation about what's things in my heart. And that caused her to draw near. And because that's God's gift to me, to help cover me. That is your gift to help cover you. And, and so, and I just want to encourage you men. You, I know that we fear letting people know what's going on. But that's the one that you can trust with everything. Because we can pray for our husbands like nobody else can. 
that we can encourage like nobody else can. That's right. But but wives, when they do open up and they are honest with you, don't flip out on them. This is what I always knew. I knew so. Okay, that's not going to bring any good. Do you think he's going to open up to you again if you respond that way? That you're going to respond in a way to where it's a safe place. And that, again, you invite God into it, invite other people into your life to help you walk through some tough times. Because every single one of us have walked through tough times. But that when they do op- are open and honest, that they are received in a way that it's a safe place to where they can continue to do that. Because if not, they're not going to anymore if we don't respond the right way. That's right. Great. Let me give you number three real quick for, for men is, is uh, for their uh, physical attractiveness of their wife. It is a need that men have. Now, everybody stop right there because you, you go, it does work both ways. So you can't go, well, she needs to get in shape while you've got a big old pot gut sticking out over there thinking you're all that. So, no, it's just simply we're going to do the best with what we've got. We're going to do this. Probably one of the things that we've changed over the years, we don't golf as much anymore just because of time. It takes a lot of time. I mean, it's cute. But we just started working out together. So we would go. One, it encourages each one. Heidi's way better at it than I am. She go, she's like, are you going? No, baby. Uh, but just to work out together, do the CrossFit thing together, and just we're going to take care of ourselves and do the very best with what you've got. And men, you need to start washing her with your words. If you really want to encourage her, you got to wash her, man. You got to start saying stuff about her. I, I still believe Ephesians chapter 2, when, when Adam's naming animals and God, in Genesis 2, excuse me, Genesis 2, when Adam's naming animals and then he names Eve. Whatever you name them is what she's going to become. So will you just keep, you got to speak it over her. Baby, you are beautiful. I, you're incredible. You're, you're, thank you. You're, oh man, girl, you got it going on. Make noises at her. <laughs> just go, baby, you, you are hot. Let me tell you something. And you, you got to keep speaking it over her. And so. Let me, let me say this, Eugene. Let me jump in on the, on the women's side. And the older we get, women, it doesn't matter what age you are. The insecurities that women have are just through the roof. And we all have dealt, we all deal with them. And then the older you get, it's just more and more insecurities. And they can just come out. When our husbands are giving us compliments and our husbands are saying the nice things, don't disregard that. Oh, that's not true. Oh, yeah. And and bad mouth yourself and say the negative things and say, because that's going to stop him from wanting, because he's believing what he's saying. You have to now believe what he's saying. That's right. Does that make sense? That's right. And yeah, so I'm that, that it absolutely goes both ways. So I said in the earlier service, if you're not telling your wife, she's beautiful, shame on you. But wives, if you're not believing him when he says it, shame on you. If just believe what he says, he's speaking over you, who you are and what you are, and you need to receive that and um, speak it over her. Whatever you name her men is what she's going to become. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. You are eating the fruit of your own words or not your own words. You go, because, well, well, I didn't say anything bad about her. Well, guess what happens if you plant nothing? No, you don't get nothing. You get weeds is what you get. You got to be planting 
over it and plucking weeds all along the way. When, when, she, when the wife says, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm so mad at myself, and look at me, you know, like, baby, you pluck a weed. That ain't true. That's a lie. Come here, girl. You're looking fine. No, you hot. Number four. <laughs> Number four, emotional need of a woman. Wisdom is knowing when to move on. Uh, number four, for women, it's financial support. Now, don't get all tangled up in this. And again, I know the stereotypical and okay. And this is this is in general. We live in a world. We live in a world that most oftentimes it takes both husband and wife working to bring income in to make ends meet. So it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that what. The, the women do or the wives do financially is not important. That's not it at all. It just means that it, men still carry the weight and the pressure of making sure their families are going to be okay. They just do. And for women, knowing that you take that responsibility seriously, that you're not flipping about it, that you're not seeing it for what it is, is that it's, it's, it's a, a comfort and a peace when we know that you're taking that seriously. And it takes, again, it takes both parties to bring to the table what they need to bring to the table. But it's recognizing also that he carries a heavier weight than we'll ever carry. When it concerns and then that, I'm yeah. going to say for men, uh, many times the uh, emotional need is domestic support. Uh, it just means, it doesn't mean that the woman should be cooking everything, cleaning everything. And I, we so appreciate about this culture, Heidi, Heidi does ingest, make a little dig at me every once in a while. Men in this culture in South Louisiana, this is not normal, are cooking machines. I can't cook. I, I don't, I mean, it's like, baby, I don't know, I can do a grilled cheese. I can put the things on the burger, on the grill if Heidi seasons them for me. Yeah. Um, so... It's sharing the responsibilities. What, what it really means is when the husband comes home that he knows he's coming to a house of peace. That's the need. We share, we share the responsibilities, make the homework, but knowing that he's coming home. And, and Heidi, was, I was just going to say this about the uh, timing. And you were talking about timing. Early days, you were waiting for me when I walked in the back door to pounce on me. Like, okay, I got to tell you what's going on. And blah, 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 you just walk in the house. You just walked in from all the day's work instead of going, baby, and here's communicating. Baby, listen, if you'll just give me 45 minutes to get home, take the day off, get the, the, the earlier part of my work off, figure out, get my feeding on and, and put on my daddy hat and my husband hat and go to work here at the house. If you'll just give me some time before you can't hit me when I walk in the door and that will help. And she's going, Oh, okay. And that was it. No. And those early days, neither one of us knew any different and we didn't know what we were doing. And, and you learn again, you learn by mistakes and you learn what not to do. And, and, and girls, y'all have been around enough. You've heard me speak enough to know we are the influencers of our family. We set the temperature of our homes. And again, whether, regardless of whether you work inside the home or outside the home, it's all work nonetheless. But we set the temperature. We do set the temperature. And the saying, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy, is absolutely a million times true. Because if mama is happy and everything's going good with us, everything goes good with everybody else is happy. 
But if we're not, because that's how God made us. He made us as influencers and we're the ones who set the temperature of our home. So even though we may be working outside of the home and our husbands may be working outside the home, when we come home, it is still a, a place that if we are women of peace and refuse to let what's happening outside the world rob the peace of what's happening inside our home, we're the ones who set that. So it's not this, again, this domestic support. Don't get all tangled up in that. It's just making sure that your home is a place of peace. And we're going to talk next week. We're going to talk next week about our families and our children, that our homes, especially in these days, yes. has to be a place of safety and refuge and safe haven. Because the chaotic world that we live in outside of there, we have to have a place so we can come home and there it be a safe haven away from all the craziness of the world. And that God has given that responsibility, much of that responsibility to us as women, because we, again, we set the tone for what happens and the feeling that's happening in our homes. Yeah, well, you're on. Good. Okay, good. Number five. It's your turn. Yes. Number five, uh, family commitment. Family commitment is an emotional need of women. Women need to know that their husbands take their family and their marriage and their children very seriously. Women, we are, we, we, that is an innate uh, ability that God's given us. We're always tending to how are, how are we doing in our marriage? How is our children doing? How is the home? How are, we're very tending to all that. That comes natural for us. But it is a need in our life for our husbands to understand that they take the family commitment as serious as we do. Mm -hmm. That they're as concerned about the children, that they're as concerned about the home and what's going on it. That husbands, that just simply means to engage and to be present. Don't just shut everything out and just, okay, she's going to handle it. She's going to handle the bills. She's going to handle the kids. She's going to handle... That's not being engaged. And women need to know that their husbands are engaged and present in what's happening within that family environment. So good. So true. And let me give you the last one. Victor's going to come help us and close here in just a few moments. But, and then the last one. But to me, this was a real big one for me, just personally, uh, was uh, admiration, to be admired. I know it sounds so selfish. I just wanted to be admired. I just wanted somebody to admire me. Well, that need is a need men have. Your husband has it, to be admired. And it would be inappropriate for that need to be met elsewhere. In fact, I will say this to you girls. Your husband is going to go to the place that he's admired. So if you're going, all he does is work, it could be that that's where he gets this need met is at work. People go, oh, you're the ball. Oh, you're doing such a great job. You're amazing. Oh man, we could, this company couldn't make it without you. Man, you're really, man, you're, 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 man, you're awesome. Where do you think he's gonna stay? At work. But if he came home and that was the place where he got admiration. Thank you, baby. Thank you for being such a great provider. Thank you for being such a great father to our kids. Thank you. Man, I just so, I so respect you. I, I, we were probably married about seven, eight years or whatever. And we, we say we love each other every day. I don't think there's been a day that we've missed. Uh, and if we, even if we did, it wasn't because it wasn't we was mad at each other. We just, the day went that way. 
But I can, I can remember the first time, probably year seven or eight, where Heidi just said, I really respect you. I went, what? What? That's what I felt. I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. She respects me. That's respect is love to a man. He would rather hear, I respect you, than a hundred I love yous. That's what it means to a man. And there's only one person where that should be coming from. And as, as, as wives, again, it took us a while to, to learn this. But by the grace of God, we kept working at it. We didn't throw the towel in and we didn't give up. We kept working. And we kept seeking and we kept asking. And God kept sending us people we needed, and the wisdom we needed, and the truth that we needed. But then I also learned this about the admiration for the husbands and for men. Is that the words that I speak to my husband and the words that I speak to my children's father set an example of how the children are going to speak to their father. And that I can speak, I can be degrading, I can be belittling, I can say ugly things in front of them. I can say it behind their back. I can say it to them about their daddy. Well, your dad and he never and he and complain to them. And all that is doing is setting example in a terrible way of how to treat the future spouse that God's going to send to them one day. And that I, I remember back in the day and the kids were, little, were young and at home and, and, and I, I would teach them, you know, if we did school shopping or, or did shopping that day and came home and I, I would teach them, I, I, I want you to go tell your dad, thank you. Go tell your dad, thank you for working hard that we were able to have the money to go get you what you needed today for, for whatever reason. I would brag to them about their dad when, when Eugene was in the room and then when he wasn't in the room. Do y'all realize, y'all got a great dad. He, he, he works hard for us. He makes sure that we have the things that we need and just the different things because I, it took several years for me to realize it. But the power of that was not only, it, it was setting a great example for my kids, for their future spouses, but it was also setting the tone of how we're to treat one another. And so, because if we're not careful with that, if the way we're speaking to one another gives it permission to our kids to speak the same way, and so we wonder why our kids are speaking the way they're speaking, it's simply they had to learn that from somebody. They had to learn it from somebody. And there's, there's a lot of outside influences. How we're treating one another inside the home greatly affects our children and then how they're gonna respect us as mom and dad, how they're gonna respect their future spouses, how they're gonna respect people in their life. It's setting an example before them. And when we recognize that, that's when we saw, that's when we begin to see things change. 
that's when we begin to see things started going in the right direction. Because it may just seem like this is just marriage stuff today. And prayerfully, y'all have gotten something out of today. But this goes far beyond marriage because what this marriage is, and Eugene said earlier, it's an example. It's an example to the world. It's an example to people in your life. It's an example to people that you work with. It's an example to children whose families are broken and they're looking for a safe place to come to. That God's going to use a marriage relationship to raise up a standard in a very, very dark world that needs to see the light of hope of something. And they may not know it's Jesus, but when they begin to talk to you and ask you, how do you have a great marriage and how do you make it work? Then it opens the doors for opportunities for you to speak of a name of Jesus. And if it weren't for the Lord Jesus, we wouldn't be where we're at. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be where we're at. And all it is is an open door for you to share the love and the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus simply because of a life that you live in a marriage before a world that is lost their way it's greater than just do's and don'ts and 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 prayerfully the do's and don'ts have helped but there's a world that has lost their way they don't know who to follow they don't know what's right or wrong and God is looking for a family and for a husband and wife and for godly men and women to allow God to raise them up in a dark world and go though we're not perfect The grace of God has covered us and the same grace that's covered us can cover you and people's hearts will be open to hear what you have to say, not just the words you speak, but the life that you live before them. So good, baby. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me, let me give you a anecdotal evidence. After service 830, a man catches me walking off the stage, tears coming down his face, and introduces himself. Said, I've only been coming a couple of months. And I said, are you born again? Or you, I thought he was ready to give his life to Jesus. I mean, I thought he was he's like, I've come. And he said, no, I'm Catholic. I said, okay, well, Catholic people can give their life to Jesus. <laughs> and, he, and he said, I've only been coming a couple of months. And uh, my wife's not here today. But everything y'all said today, I'm not doing. I'm like, what do you mean you're not doing? I mean, I want to do it, but I haven't been doing it. And I just need help. I just need help. I connected him real quick to a couple that had walked through 20 years of hell not doing any of this. And about five or six years ago, they made the shift. The light finally came on and they started moving. Now they, they sit up here, they're happy. Love. I said, get over here. Take, this is y'all. And take this couple. This is why God did it. This is why God let you walk through all of this. I said to the man, I said, I'm glad your wife's not here today. Because you need to initiate. That's how it works. Men, listen to me. She ain't said anything, so everything must be okay. Initiate. So men, I'm going to give you some homework. Girls, you're absolutely free. You don't have to do any of this. Men, I'm going to give you some homework. Ready? Number one, ask your wife out for dinner this week. Y'all in or what? I mean, I can't hear 
and say, well, I'll think about it. I mean, it depends on where we're going. I don't care where you go. Take her to dinner. And then I want you to ask her this question. Hey, Sunday, is there one of those needs that was mentioned that I really, really need to work on meeting for you? And let her talk. And then wives, I just want you to answer back and go, now that we've mentioned my need, is there any that I really need to work on so that I can meet in you? And then men, you be ready. You go, I hope you were gonna ask me. And then you be open and honest about it. It could be anything. We've had conversations. I said, baby, we got to be together more. I know that's not, it's not, she's not evil. It's just life. And life happens. And you go, it's, it's just a need. And there might be another season where I'm going, baby, I need you to, this, this is empty. And there's vice versa. Baby, you have been just out there. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where your mind is, but you haven't been attentive here, home, kids. You're somewhere else. And let me tell you what's going on in here. And you go, I want to meet the need. I love her. I want to meet those needs. And if you'll get that working, and then you could go, okay, let's go work on that. How can I do it? Help. Sometimes girls, we need a little help. Like I used to go, when we, were, we started going, affection. And I always used to rub the back of her neck. And she goes, oh, by the way, I hate when you rub the back of my neck. And I said, well, I've been rubbing the back of your neck for five years. I know, and I need to be open and honest. I hate it. And then I go, well, what do you want me to do? I want you to hold my hand. Well, I can do that. Okay, okay, okay. And I like it when you rub my leg. Okay, I can do that. Guess what? I am a hand-holding, leg-rubbing expert. Just. Can y'all put that picture back up real quick? I promise I'm closing. Just put it back up. You see that girl right there? That ain't that girl right there. See that man right there? That ain't, that's not me. They photoshopped. No, they didn't. <laughs> she ain't the same woman I married. And I'm not the same man she married. Because we invited Jesus in the middle. And God started using her as an instrument to shape me. And use me as an instrument to shape her. And now we can stand before you, not perfect, but at least we can tell you what we've walked through as a testimony to his incredible grace and, and show the mystery. Jesus is really talking about Jesus and the church, how they should operate together as we go to advance the kingdom of God. And this is the loudest message we'll ever preach to you. Not on stage, off stage. Do y'all receive this today? Husbands, you receive this today? Just look over there and say, fine, you foxy, foxy woman, you. We're going to dinner this week. And when y'all get home, put them kids to bed. 
Let me pray for you. Would you grab your wife by the hand? I'm going to pray for the single folks too. Father, we, we pray over every marriage here. We're opening up the ancient doors so that the king of glory could come in. And this could start with just a simple dinner and with a question. What can I do to meet those needs in your life? So, Father, I pray that revival would come. It first come to our homes and our marriages and then to our church and our world. Father, I pray over every marriage here to plead the blood of Jesus over it, that you would strengthen it. The foundation of which you built our whole society is on between the husband and his wife and his children. Father, would you bless it? Would you pour out your spirit upon it? And Father, I pray for those that are single here, those who desire to be married, waiting one day, that maybe one day, that Father, they would receive this word, not to discourage them, but to encourage them, to prepare them as they get ready for the day that they will meet their future mate. So Father, we pray, send them. Send them. Right time. We trust you with it. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Now with every head bowed and every head bowed and every head closed, maybe you're here today and you're far from the Father. You're far from God. You, you know it. I don't, I don't, there's nothing I need to say to convince you of it. You already know it. You walked in here today and you're just going, I, I don't know if I know the Lord. I'm going to ask you this question. If you died today, would you go to heaven? If you don't know the answer to that, you can. You can know the answer to that. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. We're all desperate for a savior. Only perfection gets into heaven and per perfection is not possible. It's why the father sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life. He never sinned. And he died on a cross to be the penalty payer for sin. Yours and mine. Jesus said, you can't enter the kingdom or see the kingdom of God until you've been born again. You must be born again. How do I do that? It's easy as ABC. A, admit you're a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short. B, believe that Jesus came to do just that, die for you. And then C, confess him as Lord. Make him the Lord of your life. And if you're here today ready to repent of your sin, and to make him the Lord of your life, I want to pray for you today. Would you just slip your hand up? No one's looking but me. Just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Hold it up high. Hold it up high all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. See your hands. Thank you. There's many hands going up. Congregation, can we add our voice? Would you add your voice to theirs? I'm going to lead you in a prayer and just mean this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I confess I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for raising from the dead for me. So I could raise from the dead. Come into my heart today. Be the Lord of my life. I'm going to follow you. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God all the praise for that?